Thanks for joining us today. At City Life, we have one purpose, making it easy for people to say yes to Jesus. We believe today's message will empower you to do exactly that. But remember that church is so much more than a sermon you listen to. It's a living, breathing community that we invite you to be a part of. We hope to see you on a Sunday morning at City Life. I don't know how you feel about Monday, but our culture generally doesn't have an overall love for Monday morning. Tends to be kind of the most hated day of the week. Whether it's um, that we just aren't loving our work, and maybe it's because of culture's picture of work, and we have shows like The Office that just make fun of the futility of work life, and uh, we have songs like everybody's just working for the weekend, Right? It's just, we just see work as a means to get to the weekend. And TGIF, maybe you think of Boy Meets World or Katy Perry star, depending on, you know, your age. <laughs> but our culture, we love the weekend. We love to work towards the weekend. But then when Monday morning comes, we see work as just working nine to five. It's just a way to make a living. You know, I'm not going to sing for you. That's a good thing. But you can sing along. You know what I'm talking about. Or it's just another manic Monday. I wish it was Sunday, because that's my fun day. It's just another manic Monday. You know, if you have ever felt like just another manic Monday, I hope that we can shift your perspective on Monday today. Why do we hate Mondays? You know, maybe it's just that we're not ready for the weekend to be over, or maybe you just feel dread for what you do Monday to Friday. You're not ready to go back to work or back to school. Or maybe you're dreading the moment when your spouse goes to work and you're left parenting alone with all the little children that you have in your home. You know, there's so many stats that Monday is the least productive of every workday, like 30% less productive. One research that I read said that people generally don't smile till 11.14 a.m. on Monday morning. (laughs) You know, you could be a game changer in your work if you just go to work and smile at your coworkers at the morning. Um, you know, sometimes we're just not ready till we've had that third cup of coffee. But the goal for this series is to reshape how we view our work, how we view our weekly activity, to reshape it to be the way God called us to be. And as Jesus followers, we can have a countercultural perspective on work. And through him, we can approach our work differently. So no more manic Mondays. We're going to look forward to Monday morning. You know, maybe you're thinking, why are you talking about work? It's Sunday. This is the day I'm, I don't want to, I don't want to think about tomorrow yet. I just want to connect with Jesus. Aren't you supposed to just talk about the spiritual things at church? But we want to move work from just seeing as that spiritual side or separate from the spiritual side of us. We want to work at seeing uh, it disconnected from the way that God had made it to be back to the way he intended work to be. So what is work? We mentioned last week that this book, The Symphony of Mission, has been just really, really reshaping. Uh, It's been a powerful, eye-opening book to how we view our mission. And if that word mission is a hang-up for you, last week's message was so good. Mission is maybe not what you think it is. So work in this book is defined as human stewardship of God's world in every area of life. Not just employment alone, but all human activity that is productive and that positively affects creation. So work includes, but is not limited to, 
uh, the things that provide you with a paycheck, but it's also parenting and gardening and farming and going to school and learning a trade or maybe taking on that side hustle, just doing the work on the side to provide for your family or coaching or volunteering or repairing your home or creating or making art. Or maybe you're in the currently looking for work category. You know, there are many things that we can still do that is work. And so even though you may not have a job, you have work to do. And this, so when I say work this morning, I want you to think of all human activity. Anything that is productive, anything that contributes to society, anything that contributes to your family. So we are all on the same page. We are workers. So the problem with thinking of Sundays as just, Sunday is my spiritual day. You shouldn't be talking about work in church. Uh, the problem with separating life into categories where we think that church is spiritual, sponsoring a child is spiritual, going on a mission trip is spiritual, working for the church is spiritual. You know, whatever we see as that, that equates spiritual life. But we see work as just part of our normal existence. It's just a fact of life. I just have to go to work. I need to go and pay the bills so that I have something to provide for our family. We see that as the normal life. And so the problem with separating that into categories is then we become, like what Monica introduced us to last week, is the Monday morning atheists, where we believe in God, but we work like he doesn't exist. And we work separate from him. We approach our work and our week without including God. We do our Sunday duty and we think, yes, I connected with Jesus, move along, next, next task. I'm sure we can all relate to that. We have a great Sunday. We get connected to God. We feel his presence maybe in worship. I hope you do. I hope you feel connected to God on Sunday morning. Maybe you're encouraged by the message, but then you leave. And maybe even the anxiety about Monday starts to set in on Sunday afternoon. And you're worried about the projects that you have. And so you think, okay, I'm just back to the real world. I got to do this. I got to focus. But then Monday starts, and maybe you have that panic Monday where you sleep in. Uh, you're running late, and you get to work, and the inbox is full, and you see that coworker that you were really thankful you didn't have to see them all weekend, and you see their face again, and it's like, oh, how am I going to do this all? And there's meetings, and you feel like you can't catch up from the work that piled up. You know, we've had those moments, I'm sure we can all relate, where Monday just feels like, okay, I just got to really focus. I just got to get get to work. And I love God, but I did that yesterday and now I need to switch him off. I can't think about God right now. I have too much to do. And we're just operating all in our own strength or all in our own power. And so I want to do, I want you to think about a light switch today, a light switch that, you know, you can connect and you can disconnect. You can turn it on and you can turn it off. And when we do that, when we separate church into the spiritual category and work into the natural category, it's like we're turning that connection with God on and off throughout our week. Matthew 5.14 says, you beloved, you are the light of the world. But as we know, light needs a connection to a power source. But our connection to God, our light is not meant to just be on on Sunday mornings. We are not just to connect to him on one day of the week. So how do we do this practically? When, our, when at our workplaces, you know, we're not paid to do the spiritual things like lead Bible studies and pray for people. Or we're not paid to share our faith at work. Or maybe your work is downright telling you, leave your faith at home. 
Or your school is saying, don't talk about that here. You know, maybe you are in a place where it's maybe adversarial to your faith. And so you need to turn it off because people at work are maybe not wanting you to have your light on. So how do we do this in a way that our light is shining at work, but we're not blaring it in people's eyes that they're like, oh, stop that. Don't do that here. We want to be a light in our workplace. So how do we stay connected to the life and the power of God daily through our everyday lives? So I've got three keys for us today on how we don't turn off our faith on Monday. And the first one is to stay grounded to the truth. We know power needs to be grounded. And so we need to stay grounded to the truth of who God is and what he says about work. And you might be thinking, what could the Bible say about work? Really? There's lots. There's lots that the Bible says about work. But I want to focus on two truths today. And the first one is in Genesis 1. We are introduced to God, the worker. We are introduced to the creator making things. And I love this quote from the book, Monday Morning Atheist. It says, God's view of work is so important that he headlined it in the very first chapter of the Bible. From the very beginning, the Bible paints a picture of man's spiritual bond with God, not at church on Sunday only, but in the Garden of Eden as a working relationship. So God's idea of paradise included work before sin even entered the world. And then he made us in his image. We are workers. We are co-workers with God, partnering with his work that he is doing. We're co-workers, co-laborers on a co-mission with him. Genesis 2.15, it says that God, the Lord God took the man and put him in the Garden of Eden to work it and care for it. And this task that we have been given as humanity is to unpack the potential that God put in creation. You know, he gave us grain and maple trees, but it is human work that created pancakes and maple syrup. And what a good creation that is. You know, there weren't pancakes in the Garden of Eden, but there was the raw materials that God placed there for us to work, for us to figure out how to put that together. He put things like minerals in the ground that can be conductors, and there's electricity and sound waves, but it took work and human invention to unpack that potential and make it usable. So work is good. Work is good. That's the first truth we know from the Bible. But wait, you might be thinking, but Joy, work is part of the curse. You know, there is a curse that happened when Adam and Eve chose to do their own way, own thing rather than follow God's ways. But the curse was on the ground. It was specifically on the ground. Work was not cursed, but the ground was cursed so that thorns and thistles and weeds make gardening or producing food and farming. It makes it more difficult. So work might be more difficult because of the curse, but it is not cursed itself. And know this is... This is so important to know is that work wasn't a punishment in the first place, but then Jesus redeemed work. When he took on the crown of thorns, the thorns that grew, the curse was thorns, right? And he took the crown of thorns and he wore the curse on the cross. He became the curse on the cross. And when he died and then he rose again, that curse was broken. And work does not have to be a curse anymore. I believe that too about 
Pregnancy, pregnancy, childbirth doesn't have to be a curse anymore. Jesus took the curse and he broke the power of that and the curse that it was associated with work. So work is a part of God's blessing and favor. And even when we look at Jesus' example, you know, Jesus, the son of God, sent to earth, lived a perfect God-honoring, God-glorifying life. What did Jesus do before his ministry started? He worked. He worked. He was a carpenter for most likely over 18 years before he started his three-year ministry. Even just look at that ratio. He worked for 18 years of his life. And based on culture, he was probably working with his dad at least at 12 and maybe younger. You know, he worked. If you know a carpenter, they work hard. They get splinters. They pound their thumb. And they get to experience that pain of hard work. But our savior of the world labored as a worker for most of his adult life. Why? I believe it's because God was reinforcing the value of work. That Jesus was teaching and modeling for us that work is good. That work reflects God's character and it is part of his intention for humanity. You know, God cares about our work. You know, that's true if you are a Christ follower or not. God cares about your work and you can enjoy your work. But as Christ followers, we also believe that this next truth is that work is worship to God. That verse I read in Genesis where God put the man in the garden to work, that word work in Hebrew, the avodah, that is translated work, is also translated as worship several times throughout the scriptures. So God kind of blended these two ideas of work and worship You know, oftentimes we just associate worship with what we do in church. It's the singing, it's the clapping, it's the dancing, it's worshiping God with our voice. But worship is meant to be also what we do with our lives. And work, our work can be worship to God if we are intentional about doing it to honor and glorify him. 1 Corinthians 10.31 says, whatever you do, do it all for the glory of God. So work can be worship if we are intentional and engaged and doing it to, for the glory of God. So what if we walked out of this place today and walked into our workplaces and into our homes and in changing diapers or changing light bulbs or changing the oil in a car, we did it as worship to God. What if it, while we are entering data into a computer or studying or learning a trade or flipping burgers or delivering calves or directing airplanes or caring for patients or serving tables or installing drywall or plumbing toilets, it's all for the glory of God and fill in your task. Fill in what you do. What if that was worship to God? Because it is and it can be. And this is how our work can be worshiped to God. Even when our days are overfilled with projects and those reports are due and clients are calling and there's assignments to do, we don't stop work to worship. It's not about adding another task to our to-do list on work. Okay, now I need to pause and think about God. I mean, that's good to pray and pause and think about God. But if you can't and you have those full, full days, our work can be worship to God. It's not about doing something extra. It's about seeing what we do, the activity of our hands, as uh, as doing something towards God, to honor him, to thank him, to bless him, to reflect him to the world around us. 
Romans 12, 2 encourages us. So here's what I want you to do. God helping you. Take your everyday ordinary life, your sleeping, eating, going to work life, and place it before God as an offering. No, this is, it goes on to say, this is our spiritual acts of worship, is our everyday ordinary lives. So we want to stay connected to the life and power of God through our lives. So the first way we do that is by staying grounded to the work. When we work, it's good, and our work can be worship. But we also need to stay connected to the Holy Spirit's power. You know, we often think that Holy Spirit's power is for praying for people. It's for miracles. But, and our, um, but we need to understand that the power of God and the power of the cross is not just for church. It is also for our work. It's also for the marketplace. It's also for our world. And our society, uh, I love this quote. It says, our society is more impressed with some jobs than others. But our God doesn't feel the same way. He is more impressed with how we do our job and if we are doing it with him or without him. You know, I don't believe that God cares what we do. It's more about how we do it. And so we need to see that the power of God is for our work. And this is really interesting that out of the 52 parables that Jesus taught, 45 of them had a workplace context. Out of Jesus' 132 recorded appearances, 122 of them were in the workplace. He was not just hanging around in the synagogues and hanging around in the temple and, and talking to church leaders and, and talking to um, you know, the, the worship leaders and the people doing the sacrifice system. He was with the people in their work, in their daily lives. Even in the book of Acts, 39 out of the 40 miracles done were also in a workplace context. Oh, God wants his power at work in our lives, through our lives, for every day. And I love this. The very first person in all of scripture as being described as being filled with God's spirit. It was not a pastor. It was not a priest. It wasn't a prophet, a worship leader. It was not Moses. It was not Ad, uh, Abraham, which these are big things people in the Bible up until this point. But Exodus 31 says, look, I have a special calling on one of the sons of Judah, and his name is Bezael. And this man was noted as being filled with God's spirit. And he was gifted by God with wisdom and understanding and knowledge and skills with a variety of crafts. He was an expert designer. He worked well with gold and silver and bronze. He was able to cut and set gems, work with wood, and skillfully perform any craft needed. The very first person in all of scripture who was filled with God's spirit was a worker and a craftsman and a builder. And I love that. You know, oftentimes we just think of the things that we make with our hands as not spiritual. It's not like I paint my bedroom and think, yeah, that was done for the glory of God. <laughs> you know, we think that the tasks we do with our hands, they're just natural. It's just physical. It's just the things that need to be done. We think our work is just about making money and climbing ladders or doing the thing that we want to do. And, but it can be so much more than that. What if each task that we did was done connected to the life and the power of the Holy Spirit? And just like Bezael, who was filled with the Holy Spirit to do his task and his work, God was the one who was glorified in that. And it was through his excellence at work that actually showed God at work. 
What if we went to work and we were excellent at our job, going that extra mile that Jesus taught about, that principle, and it actually um, highlighted, that excellent spirit actually highlighted what God's doing in our lives. You know, Jesus encouraged us in the same way he said, let your light shine before others so that they will see your good work and give glory to your Father in heaven. Our good work can be productive for the kingdom of God. You know, do we think, do our customers and our clients and our coworkers and our employees notice the good work that we do and notice that there must be something different, that the Holy Spirit might be at work in our lives? When our work is done well, we provide the world with a small, incomplete, but a beautiful portrait of what God is like. This book of Symphony of Mission, you know, I've been quoting from it a lot, but this it's just such a great perspective on how our everyday lives can be done uh, as that partnership with the Holy Spirit, not just doing a mundane job, but actually be filled with the excellence that reflects our good God. Each day, God heals through the hands of doctors, protects through the hands of parents, feeds through the hands of farmers, and brings order to the world, I love this, through the hands of anonymous administrators who work under the glow of fluorescent lights. When we do good work, we become living analogies of God's character, displaying the brilliance of his creation, and providing a foretaste of God's kingdom and serving our neighbors. You know, when we do good work, we are living analogies of who God is. When we are filled with God's spirit at work, we are connected to him. We provide a foretaste of who, of who he is and what he is doing. You know, if you've ever prepared a Thanksgiving meal, uh, my father-in-law loves to bug me because I love to sample the turkey and, you know, make sure that the stuffing is not poisonous before we feed it to the family. We love to sample the food before the feast. And this is what we are called to be, that foretaste, that to whet the appetite of our world, to say, this is a sample. It's not the complete picture because we're human, but this is how good God is. This is how good he, or this is the good work that he is started, but he will complete. And this is what he does. He makes a feast for us. And so he invites us that our work can be that sampling of God's goodness and the new creation reality that he is bringing about in our world. Living analogies when we build and create, when we unpack those raw materials, when we bake and invent everything can be a display of the goodness of God in some way. Maybe it's in the way that we design our homes, the interior designer that gives us a glimpse of the beauty that is yet to come, or the business owner who acts with integrity and, and respect through their example and they show us of what God's kingdom is like and that his rule and his reign brings his rightness and his justice to the world. When we serve tables, we give a glimpse of God's kingdom in which our gifts and talents aren't for our own benefit but used to serve and bless the world around us. We can see our work as opportunities to connect with the life and the power of God every day, every day. 
But when our participation, another great quote from the book, when our participation in God's mission lacks intentionality in our daily work, whether paid or unpaid, we diminish our credibility and we distort the character of God in front of a world that needs to behold his glory. We don't want to distort the character of God in the way that we work. So how do we stay connected to the life and the power of God? We stay grounded to the truth, the truth that work is good and work is worship. We stay connected to the Holy Spirit power because that's not just for Sunday morning. It is for our work. And then we keep our hearts and our minds switched on. You know, we consider Jesus' words. He says, my father is at work, so I too am working. I only do what I see my father doing. You know, he was confident in his authority, that he was carrying the kingdom of God with him. He was connected to his father, and he was working with intentionality. You know, he was partnered with God. And the way Jesus worked is the way we can work. We can stay connected to his life, but also confident that we carry his kingdom with us, that we carry his authority with us. And whatever environment you are in, when we go in switched on in our hearts and our minds, confident in who God made us to be, confident of his authority working in and through us, working as God's kingdom agents here on earth, we can have that different level of intentionality, the awareness in our mind that our mind is engaged if you are getting baptized, you can uh, go and get ready. We are so excited to celebrate you with you in a few minutes, but I know you need to get ready. So if you're getting baptized or you are helping somebody get baptized today, you can just go on to the back of the room. And Dennis, who is at the door there, he, he will show you the way, tell you what you need to do. So we are carriers of God's kingdom, but it takes a different level of intentionality and awareness, that awareness in our mind, that our minds are switched on and our hearts are engaged. That's all about our intention, but it brings a different effectiveness and a different energy in our approach to our work. It takes thought not to just switch into autopilot mode, not to just do your job and accomplish tasks, but our hearts and our minds engaged and connected to who, how. How does this connect? No, it takes some, some thought, to, to, and, but it also means that our, our minds are engaged, but our hearts are also engaged. So here's some great examples. But think about, I want you to all think about what your work context could be. How could God be working in and through your workplace, through your example at work? So when you're cleaning up a mess or doing, doing laundry or scrubbing toilets, how is that? How can you be carrying the life of God and his authority into that situation? When you intentionally know that you are displaying practical love to your family, it's not just about cleaning up the mess and it's about loving your family through your service. You know, Jesus got into the mess of creation and he started just cleaning it up. You know, when we clean, we are reflecting the love of Jesus that gets on his knees and just starts taking up the mess. Maybe you take care of sick patients and you need an awareness or an intentionality that God is our healer and that maybe he's using your hands to bring healing and uh, recovery to people who are sick. Maybe you're organizing spreadsheets. How does that connect? You know, we can bring God's wisdom 
and his understanding to our workplace challenges so we can organize the best spreadsheets, just make them for the glory of God. It's so powerful when we just have that intentionality that he wants to give us his wisdom. Or maybe you're counseling someone as they're working through an addiction. You are bringing hope to dark places. You're doing yard work. You're weeding. You are removing the signs of the curse from the ground and allowing his life to come through. You know, it takes intentionality to notice the things that we do as connecting to the bigger picture of what God is doing. Maybe you're building a business that pr provides for the needs of, a, of our community or employs people. And so through your humility and through your honesty that people see that God is a faithful God and he keeps his promises. Maybe you're just in a really tough time and it's pressing through the pain of a hard job or a difficult task where we actually are a glimpse an imperfect, but a glimpse into how Jesus endured the pain of the cross. He endured that pain to serve and to bring about his new creation life. You know, Jesus invited us to pray your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And he's inviting us to imagine life as it was supposed to be and then pray and work towards displaying bits of the kingdom here on earth. A preview of what is to come fully when he returns with our hearts and our minds engaged. What we do counts for eternity. We're making things beautiful. We're bringing order. We're showing kindness. We're reflecting Christ. And we're giving a glimpse of his new creation reality and, and showing how the whole world will be transformed into the beautiful thing that he created it to be. So we hope that this helps to shift how you view tomorrow that you can go tomorrow to work and think, I am on mission. I am filled with purpose. God gave me this job. Uh, I'm going to worship God with my work. I'm going to carry your authority to my workplace. And I'm doing this to give my world a glimpse of God's kingdom that is still yet to come and the God's amazing character that he wants to show through our lives. Would you stand with me? Whatever you do, do it for the glory of God. You know, I've been talking a lot this morning about work and what work means to us as Christ followers. But I also know in a room this size, there's many who maybe don't believe in Jesus or have not made that decision to follow him. Maybe we're just completely unaware of how following Jesus can impact your daily life. You know, our work can be so much more than a paycheck or a status symbol can be so much more than just being filled with frustration because he wants to partner with us to bring his light to every workplace, to every home, to every area of our community where we are represented, where we're coaching, where we're loving our community, where we're serving. This is where, how we can show the light to our world around us. So today we're, we're just going to take a moment it's an opportunity to say yes to Jesus, to pray and say, I want that. I want that. I want to know you. I want to know your purpose for me. And I want to follow in the way that I work. You know, there is good news. And the good news is that Jesus is king and that he is in the process of making all things new. And he has invited us to be part of this mission. And so when we say yes to Jesus, we're aligning our lives with him in every little thing we do. Not just doing it for the sake of doing it, but doing it for him and doing it empowered by him. 
And so I want to pray together. And if you've never prayed a prayer like this, you know, really there's nothing magical about these words, but it is about just acknowledging what Jesus has done and what he's invited us into. And so I want you to pray with me. Every one of us, we're going to pray together and just say, Jesus, thank you for coming for me, for rescuing and restoring me, making things brand new. Would you forgive me for where I have gone wrong? I've done my own thing. Help me to follow you. Help my life to reflect you. My Holy Spirit, I invite you to help me. I want to be your light in my workplace, in my life. I want to honor you. Would you give me your strength? In Jesus' name. We hope today's message encouraged you. If you want to take your next step in saying yes to Jesus, you can always contact us at cty.lc or fill out the next step section on the City Life app. It's an honor as a church to play just a small part in what God is doing in your life. We look forward to seeing you soon here at City Life.